to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for joining the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Uh, Today, I have a special guest. He's a great friend of mine, Zach Archer. Zach is, uh, he's an American boy like me, but he, uh, he moved to Germany to be a missionary, became a pastor. He is married to his wonderful wife, Natalie, and he have six wonderful kids. So he is a very busy man. Uh, I have one kid and I am already busy. Today, we're just going to talk about Zach's testimony and then, you know, just kind of what's going on in Germany and we'll see what else we have after that. So Zach, I uh, appreciate you joining me. How are you doing? Oh, it's great. So thankful to be on uh, with you on your podcast. It's a, it's a great privilege. Yeah, you know? cool. All right, man. So I've known you for quite a few years. You know, it's been, you've been in Germany, how many years now? Six, seven? Now it's been six, six years. Six we, years. We moved here in 2016. 16. Now for those listening, let's just start with your testimony. Just tell me, I know a little bit about it, but tell me a little bit about your background, your background and how you came to the faith in the Lord. So, I mean, I grew up in Colorado, in uh, northern Colorado, a town called Greeley. I was born there. My parents, both of them, were um, coming from an alcoholic background. They mm-hmm. met in Alcoholics Anonymous. They were getting free from, from that addiction. And then they met the Holy Spirit through a gospel businessman and uh needless to say god really changed my parents when i was about three years old um my my dad all of a sudden had an so so when you were when you were born your parents didn't even know the lord so they were they still my parents knew the lord nominally um they they had met the lord in in alcoholics anonymous and uh but it was very very nominal it wasn't a vibrant relationship with god and they had never really experienced the person the holy spirit mm-hmm. and until till this gospel businessman came into my dad's satellite business um and and ministered the gospel of the whole you know the gospel in the in the in the holy spirit um he he was transformed you know, all of a sudden he could hear god's voice and the Lord was leading him to sell his business, sell his big house, and move to the inner city, um, take people off the streets that were, you know, struggling with the same things he was struggling with, with alcohol addiction, and bring them into a, a place of rehab and uh, discipleship. And so my mom and him, they, they were very busy in that uh, venture as we were living in the, in the inner city. And and so I was kind of getting lost, you know, in school and uh, kind of neglected a little bit, you know, you know, they were busy with ministry. I was busy with how do I beat up everybody in my school? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how, how I was I the opposite. I was trying to defend myself from people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, you know, I was pretty savvy. I would go into the to the library and look up you know, books about karate and self-defense and oh I would implement gosh, it's the, so funny. The, the new things that I would learn. And, but the, the hate, the hate was really strong. And I, I really became a bully, you know, five, six years old. Wow. I was a terror after, um, 
you know, terrible ideas like taking special ed kids, inviting them over to my house, beating them, uh, you know, knowing nobody would believe their stories about my aggression. Really bad. And after, you know, three times of being kicked out of school, being suspended, my my mom, she took me to my room and she she basically said, you, you got to stop doing this. This is this is terrible. Uh, she locked me in my room and said, you need to think hard and long about your about your life and what you're doing to people. And and so I, I sat on my bed and this was the first this is the first encounter I had with with God, with the Lord. And um, to describe it, it was the, the atmosphere. It was like the presence of God came into the to the room and I I could feel the sorrow of what I had done to these people and the pain that I had inflicted on so many people. But at the same time, I saw, I saw a vision of Jesus in my room, looking at me with this compassion, this love. And he, you know, a long story short, he, he put his hand into my chest and pulled out my heart and it was black and it was dirty. And he exchanged it and gave me a, a new heart. And after this encounter uh, with Jesus, I, I was just different. I, I had a different heart. And I, I became, it was like I wasn't a bully anymore. And I was all of a sudden like a gospel vigilante. <laughs> I, would, I would like protect everybody. And I was just a different person, you know. And that that encounter with Jesus, I just knew, oh my gosh, he's he's alive. He's real. He came, he came to me. And I was uh six, six years old at that time, just turned six mm-hmm. years old in the first grade. And, um, a few, few months later, it was about six months later, my father heard the Lord say, take the guys. We had about 30 guys in the, in the, in the house, take them on a trip to Kansas city, go to this uh, conference there, passion for Jesus conference and get a hotel. Just, just go and take your family on this trip. As we went into Kansas City, there was a guy next to a dumpster. His name was Steve. And he, uh, he, he my dad led him to Jesus, just led him to, to Jesus and prayed for him. And, and then as he always did, he always led people to Jesus and then immediately talked about baptism. Mm-hmm. And, and so the guy didn't want to get baptized in our big church that we were from in Colorado. He wanted, he, he was afraid. And, and my dad said, it's okay. Come to the hotel. There's a pool there. And so he, he started, he had a baptism service and my brother, my younger brother, who's four, four years old at this time. And I was six, we're listening to my dad talking and he's saying, Hey, when you, when you go and reach somebody for Jesus, they need to repent, you know, from their sin and trust in Jesus as their, as their savior. And they need to be baptized. And then they need to be filled with the Holy spirit. And he gave an example about, you know, when you catch a fish, you got to catch the fish, you got to clean the fish, and then you got to cook that fish with the best spices imaginable. That that's the, the full package deal. And he said, that's what it is when, when somebody gets born again, it's, it's repenting from their sin, acknowledging Jesus as their savior, be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sin and be filled with the Holy spirit. And as he's explaining all that, my, my brother's like, Hey, Zach, like, 
we believe in Jesus. We repented, like, but we never got baptized. So we we were like, we want to get baptized. So we went over to the to the hot tub as everybody went back to the conference and everything else. We went to the hot tub and my brother, you know, said, "Hey, you're the oldest, so you you have to go first. And he he said he grabbed my nose, you know, and he said, "In the name of of the father, so you, you the and your son. brothers are baptizing one another." Is that what, is yeah, what I understand? Exactly, exactly. So, so my you didn't need a preacher to do this, or somebody official. My, yeah, my brother, who's four, he baptizes me just like he heard, you know, my dad, and, and just like he heard the pastors. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he dunks me into the hot tub, and I come out of that hot tub, and the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and I start speaking in a new tongue. I start speaking in tongues. The Spirit is just bubbling out of me like a fountain, and he is just freaking out. He's like, you got the tongues. This is incredible. I want, <laughs> I want to get baptized. Baptize me. I'm ready. And so I, I followed suit. I baptized him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, dunked him in those waters as the, the whirlpool was tumbling, and you know, and he comes out of the water and he's speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit's upon him. So yeah, both of my parents uh, they missed their baptisms. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did. Was the hot tub? You know, I know this is not a spiritual question. Was the hot tub warm? <laughs> oh yeah. So you got, you warm... got baptized in hot water. I got yeah, exactly the fire, man. The baptism of of the whirlpool of fire was yeah. great, and uh, it was a nice, wonderful summer day in downtown Kansas City. In a, in a in this hot tub, it was it was incredible. It was really incredible, and um, wow. and so at that time, my my parents were, um, you know, they were at the the Passion for Jesus conference, and and. God was speaking to my dad at that time, that afternoon, that it's time for you to go on an outreach uh, to the city into a a particular park called Independence Park. And my dad grew up as a Kansas City boy. And in his high school times, he would go to this park and he would persecute the people that hung out there. And namely, the, the homosexual community would hang out in this park and he would he would beat them and bully them and, and all these things. And so the Lord was speaking to him at that time to go back and do an outreach and right the wrongs of what he did in his past and make restitution by preaching the gospel there. And it's just really wild when you look in retrospect, the, the iniquity of the fathers coming to the sons and, and how that bullying and that, that, you know, rage and that thing that was in me that I got delivered from was, was something that was passed down even from my father. And, um, and the Holy spirit was so tender to lead us to that place. So we, we get to the park in the evening and all the people are there. And my brother and I are just freshly filled with the spirit of God. And we're praying, you know, before the outreach, nobody knows it's, it's a park, you know, with homosexuals, nobody knows this. And we start praying beforehand and the, the spirit of God and my brother and myself are just, you know, God, I just, we pray God that you would heal the hearts of the fatherless that have been abused and heal their hearts and show the father's love. And all these prophetic prayers are coming out of me and my brother and everybody's looking at us like, what the heck? like what in the world? Cause we didn't even have a chance to testify, you know, to our parents what actually even happened. And, um, 
long story short, we went out into that, that park, shared the good news, and three people in homosexual lifestyle gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. And one of them was actually delivered from the spirit of homosexuality where they were speaking normal instead of lisping. And, and it was just one of the most incredible wonders I've and some characteristics about them actually physical characteristics actually changed, you know. Yeah, yeah. We see, that in the, we see that in the gospels, you know, with the, mm -hmm. the the guy who was in chains, you know, and then he he was walking around naked and then he ends up putting his clothes on, he's right in his right mind. And of course, people are actually seem to be more scared of him then because like what happened to this guy? Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's interesting about your testimony that I see right now is, you know, I mean, you kind of learned how to, I guess, be a bully from your dad or maybe didn't learn, but maybe that same anger was in you. OK, yeah. then like because he was following the Lord, you know, he did begin to show you a different example, yeah. so, which is okay. which is good. I mean, that's 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 cool. So and it's yeah. also interesting that at such a young age that you notice the difference with you, you know, because I remember when I was born again, when I was a teenager, I was older, I was 14. Uh, I do remember the difference, but at a young age for you to remember that and to, and, and to, to feel that change. That's, yeah, it's pretty remarkable when I think about, this was like 30 years ago, you know, yeah. 30 years ago, and it feels like yesterday. There's the memory of what the Holy Spirit brings back of all the things that the Lord spoke and what he did and how he helped me through these different seasons. Um, what I, what I know about the gospel is it is, it is all about relationship. It's all about, it's all about the person of God and how he, he wants relationship with, with his creation, with his people. And I, I just, I know um, that, that he's good and he's, he's real and he loves, you know, uh, from, from the heart. And uh, yeah, that that really has changed my life and stuck with me through every season. Cool. So you you met the the Lord. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. Begin to have these more positive experiences, you know, with, with your dad. So tell me from there, like, describe to me what your like, kind of your journey was from from there to to when you met Natalie. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, I I started hearing the voice of the Lord, and of course when, when that's happening, it's like, okay, what do you, what do you want from me, Lord? Like, what is, what is my job? What is my task? And it was very clear. My task was to reach as many people for him so that people would get saved, that people would, would become born again, know him and, and not end up dying a, in an eternity of, of separation from him. So I, I took every opportunity I could to, to share share the gospel with people. Um, the way that God really moved through me was very strongly in, a, in, in convicting and bringing, bringing conviction of sin. So it was really kind of early on, John the Baptist was really somebody that, that <laughs> resonated with me. So I, I just like really kind of took on the bad cop you know, uh, repent, you know, turn, change your heart, change your ways. This doesn't fit. This is terrible. What's happening. What's coming out of your mouth is the condition of your heart. And it's, it's in dire need of, of a savior. 
things like this would come out in my on my soccer team and school and things like this. And um, my brother was a great team team player. We we kind of tag teamed. He was more anointed as kind of the good cop, uh, <laughs> and he would he would kind of after the the conviction and the heaviness of 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 repentance, uh, he would he would then God would use him as a key person to just bring them to the bring them to the to the repentance to John three sixteen and 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 get uh get saved um and and that was kind of our our way i heard the lord saying pretty clearly that he wanted me to go play he wanted me to play soccer and that it would be a a platform for mission for his you know to reach people so i gave myself to to really training and excelling in that sport and then we moved to seattle and in that time i snuck into a youth group because they were talking about relationships and they were talking about stuff that was just, wow. It was like this whole world was opening up to me, you know, becoming a teenager. And one of the pastors there, he started mentoring me and he came to me and he asked me a question that literally changed my life. He, he asked, will you consider giving away the teenage years of your life? to focus 100% on the kingdom of God and purity and not have a relationship with, with any girls, any, like none, like just focus on your calling and the kingdom of God. So let me re- just repeat this. So he was asking you to, to kind of just give your teenage, teenage years to the Lord without dating. Yes. Without dating. Exactly. Without dating and without, you know, just pursuing any kind of relationship with the opposite sex, even mm-hmm. friendship. It was, and I was like, man, that it's just getting, this theme is getting interesting in my life. What in the world? It's a good point. Let me just, you know, I, my, my personal opinion now, especially now I have a daughter is I don't even really see the point of dating until you're either 18 or almost 18, because you can't really get married <laughs> legally. You know, what's the point of stirring that up? So I, I prayed about it and I, I knew this was an invitation from the Lord. And I took it and I committed uh, to to giving my teenage years to the Lord, focusing on my calling. And that's that's when I I ended up um, pursuing a career in uh, soccer. In this, and I signed my my first professional contract in Brazil at 15 years old. Oh wow! And lived abroad for two and a half years. Um, and. And now, was played this in by, Brazil. by yourself, or would you have a family member with you? This uh, at first, I was uh, alone for a few months, and my parents came. Then they transferred all their business online, came down to to watch me play and support our endeavors there, and that was really amazing. So I did uh, did homeschooling. I did um, six hours of training every day, and and was was on a youth professional uh, soccer squad. Um, down there wow. in uh and i yeah, yeah it was you, really, this was, it was really great so we're like was it a brazilian team or yeah tell me a little yeah. bit more it, was, about it that. was like a brazilian it was like a brazilian club so mm-hmm. what you had down there is a um, brazilian farm club system where players 15 to 18 year olds would go and try out in clubs and play there get paid um you know a basic salary training um and all the you know foods provided for and everything else and schooling 
Um, so you were making a salary. Get... <laughs> you were making a salary around 15, 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. playing soccer. Yeah. Playing soccer in Brazil. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And it was it was amazing. And God really used that time to teach me about missions, to teach me about other culture, cultures, loving other cultures, loving other people. Very hard. Uh, won some battles, lost some battles. Um, really, really crazy. I, I you know I didn't. I didn't know um, what church to go to. And I was like, and I didn't know the language very well. And, and the Lord was telling me, hey, go to the church where the pastor is smiling while he's preaching. And it took me like five churches because none of the pastors were smiling until I came to Revival Bible Church, Avivamento Biblico, with Pastor Helon. And he was glowing. In the, he was smiling, the, the compassion of the Lord was on him, and he was speaking, and I was like, okay, here's the home. And, um, and I invited as many players as I possibly could to that church. And every time, uh, one time in particular, 15 players from the club came to the church, and there was an evangelist there visiting, and he preached the gospel of glory, and people got saved. It was incredible. And even now, there's three pastors that came out of that harvest that are pastoring in Brazil at this at this time. Um, it's it's just incredible the the fruit of that time. Um, my parents were down there as well. They started a, an Israeli prayer meeting in the mornings on Tuesdays, and people would come to the Israeli prayer meeting and get healed from sicknesses. <laughs> It was incredible. Like people came, this one guy, uh, he had a throat condition, terrible throat condition. He comes to Israel prayer meeting. He gets prayed for, laid hands on, and he is completely healed. And the Lord uses him to shepherd the three guys that are now pastors uh, and in the, in, the, um, in, in the city. And it's just absolutely incredible. So God just uses weak, you know, people who can't speak the language perfect. He, he just uses people to, to do great things. Anyway, Brazil was a great highlight in my life. Absolutely. Um, Let's move on to um, kind of maybe, you know, your journey to around when you met Natalie. Okay. Yes. Yes. So finally I, I reached 20 years old and I thought magically I'm going to just get married right away. Um, that was, uh, very naive of me. Um, I, I then figured out, oh, I need to figure out how women are, who women are, what, how they think I'm, I'm a pretty big time noob when it comes to this. And, um, I ended up landing in a prayer house in, uh, Charlotte called the Zadok house of prayer. And there I, um, was asked by the Lord to end my soccer career, to hang up my boots and become a missionary and serve the people of Israel, to serve Israel and, and establish um, houses of prayer and missionaries to, to Israel um, from, from Western countries. So I, I gave myself to that. Um, that was very difficult, but, but very, very worth, worthwhile. And in that context is when I met um, this incredible German woman, Natalie, my wife. And, um, yeah, we, 
we met then in 2007 when I was 21. And uh, she had a heart for Israel as well. And she was really, really amazing. Uh, the way that she served everybody, the way that she was connecting in another culture, another country, another language. Um, and I, I noticed it. It was so, so wonderful. And at that time, I, I was asking the Lord prophetically, God, give me clear guidance on who my wife will be. I know that it's the time for pursuing, but I needed, I needed clarity on, on what he had for me. And, um, so often we can just do what we, you know, choose what we want to do and we can pursue what we want to do. And that's how a lot of people live their lives. But for me, I was just like, God, I, I just want your will. I, I want your heart, your will. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here just to do, do my thing, play my game, um, you know, do what I do best. I really want to be, be your servant. Um, and and know that that you love me as, as a father and you have the best for me. I had heard prophetic words from people. Hey, God's going to give you the desires of your heart. And I said, okay, that's great. And then I asked the question that I think everybody should ask. Hey, God, what do you want? What do you pray for? What, what's your desire? And I heard so clearly in my spirit, I want my house and I want my spouse. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for the first one first, you know? I prayed for a house. I said, God, come on, release the house. Oh, you want a house? I want a house too. Give me a house. A few months later, my grandma contacts me. She has an inheritance. She gives me inheritance. And I buy a house with that inheritance. It was incredible. And a few months later, I had a, a new built-to-order home in, in the Carolinas. <laughs> and I'm in this house as a 20... 22 year old and i'm going wow lord now i got a house now it's time for a spouse i prayed and I, I interceded god give me a, give me that spouse i need that spouse who is it who is it so show me you know at that time my my wife you know now wife natalie was on a 40-day fast in israel and during that time she was praying where should i go should i go back to germany should i go back to america i don't want to go back to america but but what are you saying? And the Lord directed her to come back to America, uh, even though that was very hard for her. Let's take a quick break and pick up where you left off. Welcome back. Go ahead, Zach, and pick up where you left off. Yeah. So met Natalie. She came uh, back to the States uh, after she was in her 40 day fast. Um, clearly coming back, I was. Yeah, basically surrounded by lots of different ladies in the prayer house and in Israel and then also in, in the States. And um, I was just like, God, who is the one? Who is she? Who is this this person uh, that you have for me? Um, and I went to Korea with with our, the leader of the house of prayer on a uh, itinerant ministry trip. And when I was on Jeju Island, after one of the sessions, I just said, God, please show me who she is. Like, I need a vision. I need you to just tell me, show me exactly who she is. I know it's the season for love. I know it's the time for you to give me, give me the woman uh, that you, you have for me. And I had a vision, open vision. 
of all the ladies that were at the prayer house and one of them, only one of them, and it was Natalie, were, she was on her knees in the vision, devotion, purity, just God's glory was shining on her. And I was like, it's her. Wow. It's her. So I started pursuing her that summer. She had, you know, unbeknownst to me, she had heard that I was her husband for two and a half years and she kept it to herself and was waiting for this. And, uh, you know, this was just so God ordained. So we, we ended up getting engaged that summer and, and then married three months later and embarked on a, a really incredible adventure together. Um, they, we ended up coming here to Germany and lived uh, as, yeah, missionaries sleeping on couches in basements for 18 months. We, we, we traveled, we moved 42 times. I counted 42 times that we packed months. our bags and moves, moved in 18 months. We were in eight different countries. We got pregnant halfway through. Is this because of, um, uh, if, I, if I remember, like, uh, just because I know, know you, is this because of immigration or was this just, what was the, yes, yes. Okay, this, is this the, the main reason was we, we needed uh, her green card to come to the United States. My house was sitting there vacant and I was, you know, uh, in, in this status of missionary and newly married. Um, we got pregnant quite, quite fast. And, uh, and just learned, uh, God's voice her hearing his voice together. And we just traveled wherever he, he led us. And it was, it was an incredible time, incredible season of our lives. Um, then we ended up coming back to the States, uh, and settling in our house there. And, uh, it was, it was great. And that's when I, I got to uh, meet you, uh, and, and yeah. I remember and the, the community there and it was really, really amazing. Yeah. Okay. So you've married, you're, when you married Natalie, I got a question though. So did you think in your mind that you would ever move to Germany either permanently or for kind of a longer extended period of time? I mean, you've been there six, seven years. Did you ever think that that would happen? After being abroad with her for the first 18 months, there was a certain adventure that took place. There was a, um, you know, we were ministering to people in the streets. There were different cultures, different people, different nations. We were close to the Middle East, which was uh, always a very special place on our in, in on in both of our hearts. We we had our daughter, um, you know, on in Israel. We gave birth to her, so there was there was a a very strong connection to the area and to that place. So we, we had, when we got back to the States, it was almost like um, every time we would see the airplanes flying over our heads and we'd be like, uh, we should be on one of those planes. <laughs> you know? So we knew, we knew that overseas was, was something very important for us. Um, we didn't, I did not imagine that it would be Germany. Um, I, I more thought maybe somewhere in the Middle East, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a crazy, crazy adventure to see how, how God eventually got us ready, you know, and, and he, he did, he did a great job in bringing us to, to, uh, to that, to the small community, um, in, in Fort Mill area called the world outreach center mm -hmm. with, uh, led by John Cobbett, because that, that, that family, that place really taught us 
uh, God's heart for missions and God's heart for the nations, um, like, like no other place. And, um, and it wasn't just a heart of go reach the lost, go to other nations. Cause it's a cool novel thing to do, but it was like, God is a father and he's a father. He's the father of the nations. And he, he has a, a yearning heart to father the nations. And that was something that we really, you know, in the three and a half years, almost four years of being in that, in that church, in that community, we learned so much about love and, and patience and growing in relationship with people and, and learning how to, to, you know, work through differences, work through, you know, perspectives and different kinds of kinds of things. And it was, it was almost like we learned so much about family and pastoring and, and loving people, loving family uh, in, in the body. And that was really instrumental in, in what we're doing now um, in Germany at this point. So that was a gift. Okay. And what, uh, what was the transition that, where you guys made the decision, okay, now it's time. We feel like the Lord is calling us to Germany. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a situation where, you know, the, the world outreach center um, was a place of just great equipping. It was, it was powerful. It was also a season where I had stepped into building my own business. I, I started a window cleaning business and I, I gained a lot of success there in, in, in business and building that, um, that proprietorship. And, and in the success of that, the Lord comes to me in a dream and is walking with me in the city of Karlsruhe. The, it's a, a, a city here and says, this is the city you're going to live in. And it scared me so much. I, I, I could not say yes to this it was just no, no so you were like, not you're not really like uh you're kind of a little bit resistant at first i was extremely resistant <laughs> i did not want to come to germany and live in germany and what was, what, to, was the, know, what was the the reasoning behind that i'm just curious well i mean it's it's kind of stupid you know i i grew up as a you know watching world war ii movies <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. okay. And, and there was, you know, there's kind of like the Germans, you know, and the Americans. It, it's not like we're the most friendly, uh, the friendly uh, neighbors, you know, like um, it, it just didn't, I didn't think, you know, German, Germany, German culture would be my thing, you know, mm -hmm. and that that was really what God wanted. So I was resistant. And, but of course, when he says something like that in a dream, I took it super seriously. Um, and then he confirmed it powerfully. I went on a missions trip with John Kava to Syria, Turkey. Uh, we ministered in a refugee camp there. And I met a man that the Lord had showed me in a vision who was a man of peace. And God used this person to give me a Karlsruhe soccer club scarf, which is wow. not like the New York Yankees, you know, and it, it's like a very unfamous club. And he gives me that scarf in Turkey, uh, Southern Turkey. I, I, I was like, this is like, God is just putting his stamp of approval on it. So we, we had to sell everything. We got everything out and we went 
um, it, it didn't come easy. My parents both are loving, you know, they love the Lord. They're for the Lord, but they, they were living in Tennessee at the time and, and gave other counsel, Hey, you know, come stay with us, be here, get funding, support yourself, be a youth pastor here. Just take it easy. You need support. And the Lord was just like, stop being like Jonah and stop listening to, to the counsel of your parents. You need to leave your father and mother right now. You need to go and you really need to, to do what I say, move there. 2016, I'm going to provide. So let's, let's pick up. We just did it. So you were a little resistant. You moved to Tennessee and your parents were wanting you to play it safe. But the Lord said it was time to go. You're in Germany and pick up from there what's been going on. If you could summarize the last six years, tell me some testimonies, some high points, and your biggest challenges. So got to the got to Germany, landed here. I said, God, what do I do? What's my job? He said, go out. You're a sow, seed sower. Sow the gospel. Preach and invite people to your house. So I did that. I invited people to the house. I called an encounter group, and we started growing a group at our house and in the streets we were having encounters really incredible encounters where um we would pray you know for people one boy young man uh had a broken foot we prayed for him he was astounded that we were praying for him and uh and he you know we we said bye he was amazed and three months later the lord leads me to to the park and I come in with my brother, uh, one of my friends, into the park, and there's these young people there. And as I approach them, I say, hey, the kingdom of God is here. I have to testify of how good he is. And one of the young people said, oh, my gosh, you're the American guy that prayed for my foot. It was broken. And after you prayed, it was completely healed. <laughs> wow. It was completely healed a week later. It was a miracle. I could walk on it. Everything was restored so quickly. And, and, uh, you know, with this testimony, his friends were open and they heard the gospel, they prayed, they cried. It was incredible. It was just an incredible encounter, uh, with the Lord. The, uh, that, that, that year as well, the Lord, uh, had me go into a really intense fast for 40 days. Um, and after this fast, uh, there was just incredible miracles that were taking place. We would go out in the street and, and people that were, uh, you know, this guy, he, he, he had horrible back pain. He was going to the doctor and the kingdom of God just came, touched his back, delivered his back from, from this, this pain that he couldn't experience. And then he started confessing that he murdered a man and he was weeping oh, wow. and he was, he was just like giving his heart to the Lord right there on the street. Um, so oh, convicted of the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a German man. Okay. Yeah. And uh, which is very, very rare for a German to open up like that uh, mm -hmm. in, in the streets. Um, very, very powerful. And, you know, and, and just really amazing stories of, of people coming and, and the Lord just saying, go talk to him and tell him that he's a, he's a prodigal and he's run away from me. And, and I would just share these messages and, and they would just, they would just be, I was just praying in the train. If God's real, please show me the sign. And I've been walking away from the Lord and 
they're on the knees, they're repenting, they're asking Christ back into their life. But just so many testimonies that I, I, I mean, just endless testimonies of street ministry and, and people getting, getting saved and, and delivered and healed. Um, and meanwhile, the group that we had, our encounter group, was just multiplying, was just growing. We were just experiencing a lot of that amazing provision, a lot of breakthrough, and such a huge hunger among young people to be discipled in this in this situation. It was also beautiful to see how there was a a, a German, the Germans love love Americans. I, I saw this this a love for Americans, a love for English as well, and and during those early years. Uh, we were able to 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 kind of be ourselves, you know, and uh, and really influence in a, in a more comfortable way than than the uh, the typical missionary learn the language for years, uh, you know, kind of lose a lot of yourself in in a different culture and and adopt it uh, from there. So that was that was really a blessing. I would say the the most challenging thing that that we went through was when we were a part of like a house of prayer uh situation that started the leadership started going into very ecumenical direction as far as embracing catholicism embracing other kind of walks and denominations of faith and that was leading away from just that basic discipleship gospel of basic orthodoxy yeah yeah basic orthodoxy and 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 this was really really challenging and uh as as we transitioned out of that leadership uh within the house of prayer we ended up losing relationships that we thought were really close and that people would be committed to us and many of them were really key people and and they ended up just just leaving and not not going with us, and that was it was a blow to the heart, and it it felt like betrayal. It felt like like I invested all this time, all this effort, all this energy into these relationships, and and they were just for nothing, and that was very very painful for me, and um, you know, and with everything that we go through, I I I learned that it's not so much other people that are the problem. It's actually, I'm the problem. <laughs> and, and so much of what's going on is me reaping what I'm sowing. And so I looked into my, my heart and I said, God, like, where am, have I not been faithful? Where have I not been a good mentee to the mentors in my life? And where have I not been in, in submission? And I started repenting on these things and started to pray more for the leaders that have invested in my life gave uh, searched out more contact with these leaders and looked for more um, accountability. And as that started happening, God did a wonderful thing. He, you know, a few, few months later, um, a dear pastor here in, in Karlsruhe who has established a church for the last 30 years, um, a charismatic teaching center um, in Germany. Um, he, he approached me and he said, Hey, um, you know, I see that you've been really faithful with your encounter group. You have 50 plus people in your group, you know, your house is packed. Um, you brought it here to the church. 
Um, I've seen your family and I really want to, to give you this church, this, uh, this church as, and uh, that you would take it over and I would entrust it into your hands. And, um, how many this, years ago was that? This was three years ago. Okay. So, so this was three years, years ago. So about, about three, uh, yeah, three years ago, the, the Lord just gave me this church and, and it reminded me of, of what he said to me, you know, during that time of transition, when I said, God, why, what are we going to do in Germany? What are you going to do? And the Lord said in, in a, in a litany of prophetic words, he said, I'm going to give you a center for my glory. And, and so literally three years in to being over here, going through those challenges, uh, the Lord was faithful. He gave me even in the name, uh, it's the CZK at the Christian center. Karlsruhe, uh, is the, is the, the organization. And, um, and the Lord has been so gracious, uh, to, to help with, with that. Um, and, and of course coming on and taking a pastoral role and acquiring a co-pastor, a German co-pastor, um, and, and it, it was not without its challenges, great, yeah. great deals of challenge. And, um, yeah. Well, how many people have been baptized? And I think what a year, year and a half, we've had quite a bit, a few baptism. I remember, remember you telling me this. Yeah. Since, since we've been, I've been pastoring the church the last three years, we were, we've had, you know, 10 or so baptisms in that first year and during the covid pandemic season we have baptized over 50 plus people um since you've been like you've had about 60 plus or so people baptized like had more success when it was covid than it was exactly you know that's absolutely that's amazing because you guys had from i understand more restrictions than at least we did where we are here in the carolinas we, we had tons of restrictions, but at the same time, we took advantage of every opportunity okay. to, to reach the people. Let's remember that and come back to that in a moment. Thank you for everything you have shared so far. I do want to ask you a question. Do you have a sense of what the future looks like for your family? Um, at, this, at this point, the Lord has entrusted us, um, you know, almost uh, 200 people within this community that, that we were, we're being faithful. And, and all we hear right now from God is dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness, you know, feed my sheep, pastor, my pastor, my flock. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, you know, I'm a German shepherd, you know, not the dog, but you know, uh, <laughs> Hey, those are looks, nice dogs though yeah they're beautiful dogs. they they know how to protect the the sheep from the wolves <laughs> yeah. so that's really really our spot right now and uh for the foreseeable future and we're really really excited about it our co-pastor is being sent out to east germany to start a discipleship making movement so he's going to be doing house churches and um, really excited about that. And right now, we're we're called to, at at this post to continue building this uh, this center for um, for for his kingdom. Okay, so just so I don't I don't forget. So tell tell people how they can support you. I mean, number one, uh, pray pray for Europe, pray for Germany, pray pray for Europe that that God God gets 
all the glory that souls come into the kingdom in droves in masses that the hardness of people's hearts will soften and people will, will really respond to Jesus and see his beauty and and get out of the the godless um, culture that they're in um, this is this is number one pray for revival in Europe pray for salvation of souls in Europe there's such a a there's a bride here that's so sincere and 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 needs to be awakened to 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 lead people to Jesus in this time and we're not coming we're going we're going to go through really hard times like covid was nothing compared to what's coming and and the only chance you know being right underneath the antichrist nose you know um it's it's kind of like ground zero um, the best way uh, for us is to have an unshakable church that's growing and, and, and being intimate and bold for Jesus. So that uh, that is number one. Um, number one, uh, any any kind of um, you know prayer support is is so needed. Any kind of financial monetary giving, um, we, we have a uh, you can give to the World Outreach Center. You know, with Natalie and Zach. Uh, in, in the memo line to to support and fund what we're doing if if the lord leads you for for that um okay. and then also if you uh want to come over here for for missions or anything yeah. like this we are active on the streets we are active preaching in the streets um on a consistent basis so you'll have plenty to do here if you come and visit germany all right, let's go back and revisit the COVID restrictions and tell me more about how you continued to be bold and what are some of the things you did to fight the fear message? You know, I at the front end of, of the pandemic, I thought, okay, wow, who knows what this is? This is really pretty intense. Who knows how bad this is? So we shut down our church and went to a live stream format. Um, for the first couple weeks. And uh, I started seeing the mass popping up. And immediately in my prayer time, the Lord said to me clearly that the mask is not from my kingdom. It's covering up the image of God and it's demonic. So I knew, okay, the mask, it's not helping. It's not godly. It's not happening. Um, and, and I'm not enforcing this. I'm not wearing this. I'm, I'm done. Uh, masks are, are a no go for me unless, you know, of course you need to wear it on a plane or whatever else. But I, I just, I really held strong to that and didn't, uh, didn't force that. And the just church so here will understand because some of the, you know, in our area, in the Carolinas, the pressure was not as strong as it is there. So there's a lot more pressure. So there was, there was, a lot, there was you, had to, you had to face some more fears or you had, you had to have more boldness to do that. So, something to know about, about Europe and, and especially Germans, Germans are very compliant people. Nobody wants to be seen as a renegade or going against the rules. You follow the rules, you stay in order. And so that was, that was much, much harder um, in Europe in general, but also, also in Germany. Um, every church was required to have an infections plan, you know, like a plan of, of how to, you know, proof your building and, and all the kind of requirements that you needed to, to have. 
And I just took that document. I read through it. I said, I can't sign this. I have to change this. I have to change this because if I sign it, it's almost like signing a curse, you know, on your, on your church. So I, I said, God, what should I do? And he said, just write Psalm 91 in red letters and underline all the promises and put that as the first stanza on your infection plan. (laughs) And, uh, and so I did that and I signed it and I could do it. And, and, uh, literally, um, the Lord had protected our church, our congregation, and not a single person uh, died of COVID, not a single person in our connections, in all of our connections of our members, nobody died of COVID. We were also restricted to, we weren't allowed to sing. There was a singing forbidden singing. We violated that by saying, no, we will sing. Nobody will tell us not to sing. We, uh, we met as possible as many times as we possibly could in outdoors, in different areas, different, different places. We boldly met, we went out in the street and preached more than we ever did before we went and did. So so um, how did that go here? Everybody was still like, stay six feet apart. What was your experience? We, we just encouraged, we just encouraged people to lay hands on the sick preach the gospel, uh, to not, to just obey Jesus, obey what Jesus says and do that. Um, you know, and not, not worry about the different, uh, the different rules and the different things we, we emphasized it's going to be a blessing and it's going to bring more life if we just do what Jesus tells us to do and, and focus on that, um, and, and tackle the fear with, with faith. We had an idea of doing an outdoor uh, theater, so we got all the churches together, and we gathered in an outdoor theater and had um, services in the, in the theater and invited the governor of the city and everything, and it was great. And they, they just loved it. The governors were like, for the first time, we weren't thinking about COVID, and it was, it was just God gave us really witty ideas to serve the city and to get all the other pastors involved and everything else. And, um, and it was, it was really something special. We did, um, chalk actions where we went all throughout the city and wrote gospel tracks all over the city and the city even kept, didn't wash the streets for three weeks, just because of these, these, uh, scriptures and, and things all over the city. Um, we, we did, um, flash mobs, we, we did flash mobs on Easter and during the lockdowns and everything. And it was just incredible. Um, just different, different things that we had. And then we have a river just right outside of our church. And that was our baptismal that people would, would, we would baptize there in the river outside to, to comply with different, different things. So yeah, um, we, we just boldly met, we boldly went for it. And, and God really, uh, he helped a lot. And one of the, one of the profound testimonies that we received was not, you know, not a handful, but three or four people came and said that they were suicidal, that they wanted to take their life, but they thanked us for making the tough decision and meeting regardless and going, going against the grain and they 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 were thanking us that their lives were spared because of these these decisions. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's really that's really good. That's really powerful because that was a unintended consequence of the the lockdowns, and that was without getting into the political stuff too much. The suicide issue came to light because if people don't go to work and have purpose, they're more susceptible to drugs, alcohol, and other things. And the answer was to be bold and to stay open to relationships. And, you know, what came about also, we lost a few members from... So you did lose a few members? Or they, are, they, are those the ones that just didn't like your boldness or... They were the ones that, you know, took scriptures out of context saying, you know, we need to, you know, submit to the governing authorities. We need to, you know, they were citing, you know, Romans 13 and, and all these different, different cases. And uh, we just, we took the stance, you know, we, we have to obey God rather than obey man in these, in these, uh, in these aspects. Yeah. And um, it was it's very true. sad to see that one person, one person in, in particular, there were actually two people that um, ended up saying, you know, we can't accept this. She was an older lady and she re- she just left the church because of our stance and she was very offended. And then she got the vaccine uh, a week later and then she died a week after oh from gosh. a from a brain brain aneurysm. And uh, and so she it was really sad to see just how how the devil took took that that person out and and it was it was a tragedy it was just a real tragedy we had taken the stance as well on the vaccine and and said hey you know we feel like this thing is not beneficial um for for people and and we took a a stance uh against against the vaccine and um, we, of course, allow everybody to make their own decisions. And we didn't put a sign on the door saying, you know, you're vaccinated, uh, stay away, like like some fitness clubs, you know, uh, around around the world. We we were just saying, no, we, we think this is not a good decision to do this. We don't want to trust in this. Um, and especially having um, a free pass to travel and have preferential treatment just based on having something injected in your body was, was a big red flag to us as a spiritual leadership. So we, we just now said, this Hey, was, this is, this is our position. Now this is a, another strong stance because um, once again, here in the States, uh, I mean, I really, I didn't get the vaccine and I didn't really have any issues. My life was not, I can't say my life was truly affected. So how did this, I mean, we only have really a couple minutes left. So just kind of wrap up kind of how that, the, the conflict with the vaccines. And No, it, it was, it was a, you know, a battle of, you know, experts against other experts and, and, and information and, and war and, and opinion and all of this was, was mm-hmm. taking place. And for us as, you know, spiritual leaders, I, you know, I, I had to go with my relationship with the Lord, what I heard and what I had sensed. And, and what I had heard from me was that this is a, this is a bioweapon. This is not something that's beneficial for the kingdom. And so I had to stand on that, that, that position. Um, but of course, allowing everybody to make their decision and form decision um, and, and make, make the choice and not, uh, necessarily 
like discriminate against anybody's choice of what medical product they want to choose to put in their body or not. Um, but I, I was, uh, informing and giving everybody my, my opinion and my wisdom on, on the situation. And, um, and what, what was the biggest warning that I had was the spiritual, the spiritual significance of giving up your rights for conveniences. And, and that was exactly what this vaccine was doing. It was creating a class of people based on your decision of taking it. You had preferential treatment to go shopping in stores, to go traveling, to doing all these things. And that to me was a warning of a, it was a precursor to what we are going to see in the end time uh, where we will have to buy, we could only buy, or we can only sell with, with the, the mark on our head or our, on our hand. And, and so this is a pre- precursor setting us up for a system of dependence upon a, an antichrist system. And, and I warned people from that perspective to have their hearts trust fully into the, unto the Lord for their health, for their provision, for all these things. And uh, I have to say, it's, I see really great fruit in the flock that we have here. And so that was, that was what that opportunity was for. Zach, I appreciate everything you said and your testimony. I appreciate your boldness to, I mean, you, to go over there to preach the gospel. And then uh, when the, the hammers came down and the pressure came on, you continue to do that. So I think that's a great example for us in the States. Uh, some did that, some did not. But anyway, I appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I look forward to talking to you again soon, and I uh, hope you have a great day. I appreciate it so much for the opportunity. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I would love your interaction. You can email me at jamieroundtree at gmail.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-R-O-U-N-D-T-R-E-E. Any questions, any feedback are welcome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.